Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. I think you're really going to enjoy today. Uh, one of my best friends in coaching, Larry Shiat, the assistant coach at Dallas Mavericks, is going to talk about his incredible career as a 44-year coach in, in college and now with the Mavs for a year, now going to second-year pro basketball. Larry is one of the best teachers, coaches in the game, but also one that really cares about our game and developing our game and helping young coaches in our game. Uh, You're going to hear a lot about uh, not just his career along the way at Florida, head coach at Clemson and Wyoming, but you're also going to hear about his impact on the game and what he's done for so many years in developing coaches as far as trying to help them with a clinic that he runs at the University of Florida. Uh, so I think you're really going to enjoy it. And it, I think with Coach Shy, what you get is everything that's on his in his heart and on his sleeve. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access... To these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Hey, excited that our guest today is a longtime friend, and it's not often I get to talk to people that are almost my same age exactly and stuff. And I've known Coach Larry Shiat for almost his entire coaching career. We both got into coaching in college in 1973 upon graduation from college. We we started right off the bat, my friend, and, uh, and you haven't stopped. Um, why do you keep coaching? You're so talented. You could do so many damn things. Well, you alluded to the fact that we started together around the same time, mm-hmm. and in our vintage, really, coaching was teaching. Mm-hmm. And you sort of had a choice. You could be a high school coach and teacher, mm-hmm. and you'd have a lot of classes. Or you could be a college coach. You wouldn't have a lot of classes, but the lifestyle would be a little different. The one common denominator, Brendan, if you recall, is the salaries were about identical. Mm-hmm. And when you're in your 20s, you're not thinking about retirement. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking about saving money for your retirement. And you know what? 
uh, a lot to be said for high school coaching and teaching and summers off and you put 30 years in you got a nice nest egg for your family you know when i started in 1973 uh with dick vital at the university of detroit and you were at akron at, at that same time Vital, I was one of two full-time assistants. He said, I'll give you $9,000. I thought I hit the lottery. And I said, $9,000. And, and, uh, and, and then he, and, 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 he, and as the head coach at the University of Detroit, which was a, nowadays would be called a power five school, you know, as Marquette, Louisville were also independents. He was making 17500 as the head coach. <laughs> yeah. And they have actually, they've, they've been able to quantify what something would be mm-hmm. in this day and age. And so I'm sure that there's some type of equivalency, but the game totally changed almost at every level when TV got involved. And so now people who chose the coaching profession, in particular in college or the NBA, were choosing for yet a third reason, which isn't a bad one, but that was to make a lot of money. It changed the culture and it definitely changed the landscape of coaches at both the college and NBA level. You know, uh, you've been, uh, for the, you know, the beginning of your entire career, uh, up until you got your first head coaching job at, uh, you know, I guess is, it was your first head coaching job at Wyoming, correct? From when you went yes, from Clemson, I had as an been assistant, an assistant right? for close to twenty-five years. Yeah, so and so that was it. Yeah, so you you know probably the assistant, the role of the assistant coach, as well as anyone that there is in basketball at the collegiate level. What what is the role of the assistant? Well, uh, when I started. You, 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 certainly it, it has changed over the course of years, or at least what's expected by many head coaches, it has changed. Early in my career, there was no question, if you're an assistant coach, you would have yet a servant's mentality, uh, not just for the head coach, but for the institution you were working. And so you would have to serve any capacity that you would either complement the coaching staff or help serve the young men that were playing. That has changed, and I see the uh, the makeup now on a lot of these staffs. Uh, we got to get the best players. We're running out of time. We sign a five-year deal if you're a new coach, and you know you probably have three, or they're saying goodbye. And so you got to get the most amount and the best talent as quickly as you can. Mm. <laughs> Changes a lot of things, doesn't it? Well, it's, it, it has, and, and honestly, what I observed over the course of time as I got older and older in this and loved every day, especially those last five years at Wyoming, they sure. were special to my family and I. But what I did observe was the clientele had changed so drastically. In college basketball, we sort of were synonymous with what was going on everywhere else. I mean, you have sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth graders on the fast lane, going as quickly as they can, changing schools and changing teams in the summer as quickly as they can because they want that quick fix like they get on their telephone. And then in college, you have the highest level of transfers ever since this guy, uh, Kevin, took over at the NCAA. He was going to fix everything. And, in fact, he fixed nothing. We have over 800 transfers in 360 schools now every single season. 
And last but not least, we have free agency with now the better athletes, at least in our league in the NBA, and they're chasing success at the same pace and changing teams left and right to get these what are so-called special teams, super teams at every level from literally from eighth grade through the NBA. <laughs> and, 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 and the, uh, one form of free agency at the collegiate level has now become the graduate transfer. Uh, poor, yeah. The poor guy that at a low major that really worked hard, recruited a terrific kid, and the kid scores 18 points, 20 points a game. That kid's gone by his sophomore year, unfortunately. Brendan, if people look back, one of my favorite coaches and one of the best mid-major coaches in many times at Cleveland State University the past four or five years literally lost his job because he lost his three best players back-to-back-to-back years who went immediately for that quick fix at that higher level for but one year. And this guy, Kevin Lennon, was going to fix everything because he didn't trust academics. He didn't trust coaches and he fouled everything up and so what you have is a generation now that there's so many wonderful things that can happen with your thumbs on the internet or on your telephone you can get the winner of the kentucky derby in about two seconds in 1946 however because we want everything so quickly we have no patience now and it's leave this, go to this. It's a race to get to where I want to get to fastest for these young kids. And that sort of soured me a little bit as my progression went at the college level. You know, what, what as a head coach, and you know, it's ironic that, you know, the, the years that you were a head coach in college, it was only at two places at Wyoming and at Clemson, you know, two places that you really love. And, uh, and what was the best part about being a head coach for you, Larry? You know, it's going to sound crazy, but I don't think my role changed a great deal because I loved coaching, period. And I loved being with young and seeing progression. And I love being around guys for the most part that maybe you could turn this okay guy into something pretty special because I never was at a place as a head coach that was the top dog, both Clemson and Wyoming. But I do think my favorite piece, as crazy as it sounds, was I could make the schedule. In other words, I could have the 6 a.m. practices on days I thought was best, and I could take advantage, perhaps, of spending, even if it was an extra hour with Pam, um, which I had never done. I'd always put the program first as an assistant. And I don't think I was putting the program in the background, but I, I actually was thinking, I wonder how I can make this work best for the kids and also for myself. Boy, that, uh, I thought you were talking about the actual non-conference schedule, but I really, no. I really appreciate what you're doing, especially knowing the relationship you have with Pam and, and your children. Uh, that is, that is a, a unique thing when you can be in charge of, uh, of your, of your schedule. What's, now, you and I have had so many talks over the years about things that bother us in coaching that we know is hypocrisy and stuff. What's the worst stuff that you see in college coaching? Well, I or the college about game, what, maybe. Yeah, yeah I, I talked about the college game, and, and unfortunately, it become a race. You know, I, I was uh, fortunate to be a head coach in the ACC when it truly was the most special league 
ever because everybody played everybody twice and you literally had Carolina Duke, Gary Williams, Dave Odom winning championships year after year. Um, what hurt me the most was seeing maybe what I thought was a Duke University, which represented everything that I dreamed of in coaching in terms of the selection of players, the development of players, both academically, socially, and basketball-wise, and then the watch what's happened with this generational one-and-done business where now kids are going to this special school, which I always thought was the most special, maybe closer to Stanford than anything, Brendan. Mm -hmm. And now I see these kids going for six or seven months. And literally, I don't even know if they know the school color, but they know one thing. In seventh grade, I want to get to the high school that can get me to the college fastest and the college that can get me to the NBA fastest. And that's the race that I see that's changed so much that hurts so much. That's why, and I hate to be long-winded, but that special year with Josh Adams, Larry Nance, and these young men we had put together at Wyoming who came for all the right reasons. All six seniors graduated on time. Larry went from having one scholarship to being a first-round NBA player, and we cut the nets down in Vegas. In the old days, Brendan, that would have been like the beer commercial for a head coach. It doesn't get any better than that. That's why I wanted to end it. Oh, that's great. No, no, I, I, I get that. Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of Coaching You for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. You know, I think uh, one of the things that you know that you that you do that is so unique and so special is uh, I, I think we need to talk about it is. I I find, you know, I think we get attracted to people uh, that we like in every business that we're in. We have people that we're not attracted to at all. We stay away from them. But, you know, um, you know, we've been friends for a long time and I've been attracted to you because you're about all the right things. And uh, someone that I, I you know, I, I knew that if we had a talk about something, you would help try to help me in something. And I think that's what you do to every person you come in contact with. The talk about let's talk about the idea of how the clinic we're as we're as we're recording this in uh you know two days we're gonna be at the clinic that you brought to Florida when you went there as Billy's assistant, but you had started before that. Talk about the evolution of that uh whole process and why you did it 
and why stuff like that should be continued? Well, the originals, which I call them, yeah. uh, six of which are still living, uh, yeah. Gary Colson, George Raveling, Mel Hankinson, Glenn Wilk, Sonny Smith, and Del Harris. Those were six of the originals, and they thought many, many years ago, before it was really affordable and really talked about, they, in the name of sharing, every August would go to the Atlanta uh, Airport Marriott. They'd meet for a day and a half, and they would talk about preparing their season for their players and comparing notes with one another and learning from each other. It was something that had never been done before. And then I was a young assistant in New Mexico for Coach Colson. He said, why don't you get a group of assistants from different conferences and take a place every year and go for a day and a half and talk about how you guys can become better coaches and assisting coaches. So 30 Four years ago, literally, we started with a group of young assistant coaches. That's correct, Brendan. I actually was a young assistant coach at one time. Hey, we both were. And, and Seth Greenberg, Jack Fertig, the late Ricky Birdsong, Kevin O'Neill, uh, Roger Lyons, um, Scott Duncan, uh, Dave Odom. We all got together, and then we added each year. And I thought because those gentlemen got a little older and got out of coaching – in respect of what they had started, I would try to continue that, maybe build on it. Now what we've got is a clinic. Uh, at the moment, it's still at Gainesville, Florida, because Jeremy Foley, yep. probably the greatest AD I've ever been around, mm -hmm. wanted it, started it with us. And so we've continued it at the moment at the University of Florida. And we've changed a little bit. We try to think about getting speakers a little bit outside the box, but the the name of the game is the same. It's a day and a half that you can prepare and you can care about your ball club and you can listen and learn about how other people are operating and then sort of take it back and study it, analyze it, and get ready for the upcoming season. Now, you have quite a crew we have, you know, that you put together for this year. And I think it's maybe one of the more fascinating uh, it, it, it's gotten, which I appreciate, uh, because I know it's of your influence, uh, you got a lot of MBA people coming in there just to share some different thoughts, right? Well, we've changed, and what yeah. I try to do every year is get some new clientele. So we got about 40 college coaches, head coaches, and assistant coaches, and we have about 25 to 30 NBA personnel from GMs down to assistant video people. And we've got some search firms coming because I think that's healthy for young coaches to understand how you get jobs nowadays. And we've got some representatives who will represent coaches in times of need, which I think is important. And so we've got a cross-section, but what I'm trying to do each year is get some new people. Uh, in particular, I always like to bring in at least a dozen new young African-American coaches because mm -hmm. I don't know if they're quite represented like they should be anymore. And so, you know what, Brendan? It's been fun. We even have a couple of the originals in their 80s coming back, which I always invite. So we have Glenn Wilkes, Sonny Smith. We actually have Dell Harris, who's still sharper than attack. Mm -hmm. He's going to be speaking. Uh, Dell is a, is a genius and and stuff, and, uh, especially on the defensive end of the floor. And I know you get to see him often. Uh, you now, this past year, you went with the Dallas Mavericks uh, in a new role, and uh, I know they're a, t a club, a great franchise that you know has pursued you in the past, and now this will be your second year there. 
Talk about your year of learning, transition, uh, and how has that been going to the NBA after so many years at the collegiate level? Well, first of all, I was the atypical college coach, Brennan, for 44 years, and I always made this statement, come on, it's just basketball. Well, I got to tell you, what I learned real quickly in three months, because I'm with one of the best staffs in the country, I mean, Melvin Hunt, Jamal Mosley, Caleb Canales, they have been around the NBA. So for about three months, I didn't speak very much. I just tried to listen and absorb because the terminology was entirely different. And the strategy, because you're not permitted as a coach in the NBA to place your defenders where you choose, like in college, the strategy is completely different. So it's been an awakening for me. I I owe a great deal to both Coach Carlisle and Mark Cuban for giving me a chance to end my career in touching and feeling and analyzing. And I'm just hoping I can contribute a little bit more than I did in year one. Oh, you're going to be incredible. And and I know how Rick values you. What have you been amazed at about uh, just the uh, not on your team, but the players in the NBA. What I think it? two things stuck, yeah. stuck out to me. In the games, there was no question. Shot making. In fact, difficult shot making. I have never seen shots so often go in at so many timely opportunities for us and for opponents. And so in college, a, a, a six point lead with 41 seconds. If you got Graybo and Adams in your backcourt, like I did, you're going to win 39 of those 40, maybe all 40. Mm. Not in the NBA. They're going to take it out at the side four more times. And in three seconds, they're going to make some shots. And so no lead is comfortable. I did find that out. And I think the thing that I valued the most, probably because we have three of the most wonderful guys I can think of when you think of the word pro, Dirk, Nowitzki, uh, Harrison Barnes, and Wes Matthews, those guys are incredible in terms of trying to get better, trying to take care of their machine, their body, and their mind on a daily basis without ever missing. And I think what I learned was that those young guys we coached for 44 years in college and these older gentlemen that are trying to be the best they can be, they have one thing in common. They want to be coached. They want to be taught. They want to be as good as they can be. And uh, that, I think, was probably the greatest lesson I learned during the season. Talk about the coaches that are in the NBA. If you've never been there before and then all of a sudden you go up against, and it doesn't really matter who, it doesn't matter. Uh, talk about what what were the things that, were, that surprised you about uh, the level of coaching in the league? Well, my eyes really opened when I got a chance to go to Vegas last summer at Tim Gergerich's camp. Uh, Tim is one of the greatest assisting coaches probably there ever was in both college with Tarkanian in their heyday and in the NBA for so many years. And he's revered and he should be because he's a coach's coach. And what I watched was 60 or 70, many young coaches, great minds, great leadership qualities, working with these first and second year players for four days. And I got to tell you that coaching at that level, because they don't have to worry about some of these things that we're doing in college, rearing young men, making mature decisions, responsible for both academics and how they handle themselves off the court socially. So it's coaching and then it's coaching and then it's coaching. 
And these guys are some of the smartest basketball minds I've ever been around. You know, when uh, we did a study years ago, and we found out that uh, a head college coach at most schools at a D1 uh, spent 17% of their time on basketball, and an assistant coach at that level spent 10% of his time. And then uh, in the NBA, uh, there was not an assistant that spent less than 90% of his time on basketball, and the head coaches uh, were between 85 and 95% on basketball. What a difference does that make for you as a, pro- a professional in that business, huh? Well, you know, it's a change. It's an obvious one for me because I'm one of the old school guys that yeah. probably enjoyed trying to find a way to build somebody's character, trying to teach some guys how to be a more mature, ready-made man when college was over, how to be a better student, which actually I wasn't, and how to be a better teammate. And a lot of those things that it was left on our shoulders as a college coach now, if one of your guys does something wrong, whether it's looking on somebody else's paper in a class, whether it's touching a young lady the wrong way, or whether it's putting something in their body they shouldn't, you are the responsible party. Coach Shy is going to be on the headlines the next day, and then you're going to have to do something preventative and hopefully helpful to make that decision better. In the NBA, if that happens, these are men. These are men, many of them married with children. And so if they make a bad decision, then it's their decision to live with. And then there's a fine or there's some type of a penalty or suspension. And then they move on. That is a huge difference. And I got to tell you, honestly, I miss it. I miss really? being with the young. Yeah. Well, well, you're a man of influence, so I could, I could understand that. What about... Uh, I think, you know, and I mean this sincerely, I, I think the officiating in the NBA is phenomenal. I really do, as a, as a whole. And, uh, you know, you have uh, 60 people that are, that's all they do in life is officiate. And they're paid a heck of a salary. And then every day afterwards, they're given reviews and game films of that. And they are coached every single day by their supervisors. Uh, as opposed to what we had in college, where I thought it was incredibly inconsistent. Feelings of that after one year of seeing it? I would would concur 100% without any exception. At Tim Gergerich's camp this summer for the first time ever, they did have a couple veteran officials and a couple other officials helping, and they had close to 15 officials there the whole time, all NBA officials, all trying to help these young players and help themselves. And I got to tell you, I was a little jealous because I, too, saw many of the same things. Uh, college uh, referees refing five, well, actually some six per week. I mean, consistently 12 straight weeks. And that's not including sometimes flying back and forth and doing their day job. And so there's there's a there's a difficult measurement there in terms of fatigue, in terms of both mental and physical fatigue, and lack of concentration on just being a great official. In the NBA, they are focused on being the absolute expert. All right, coaches, time for a trivia question. What is a statistically proven way to add a full game to your win column? The answer? Let Crossover break down your game film. Crossover takes care of all the tedious clipping and tagging for you. 
No more late games hunched over your computer. They give you filter tools to find exactly the clips you want, advanced statistics, and shooting efficiency data that will help you put together smarter game plans. You can even give your athletes and parents access so they can study their performance at home and create personalized highlight reels in a flash. Save money when you bundle other teams at your school together. They also break down lacrosse, soccer, hockey, volleyball, and football. Sign up at www.crossover.com forward slash coaching you to receive one free game. That's crossover with a K dot com slash coaching you to get one free game. What about the strategic part of the game as far as, uh, you know, things that you didn't have in college that I I really enjoy uh, and I miss uh, going to college was the idea late in the game where all of a sudden you can call a timeout and you can advance the ball and have a chance to win the game with, you know, a a terrific play, you know, and stuff like that. You're never out of the game if, you know, the score is within reason and stuff like that. Did you like the strategic part of the game in the NBA? I do like the advancement, the side out advancement. I wish that we could have a choice side or under and and have as many or both of what we choose both Mm. the side or the under i like that fact i i will tell you this though uh, i always coached unless i was with billy at florida i was always coaching the underdog and i gotta tell you the way college designs the game they've reduced it to a 30 second game but as a coach you still can choose where to put your defenders and i gotta tell you if they're smart defenders, the underdog has a much better chance in college. In the NBA, since it is a game of entertainment now, first and foremost, they've got to keep that floor space. They've got to let the greatest players play the greatest. And because of that, I think there's far less of a chance for the underdog to win. And I sort of love the fact that when I was growing up, if you were Dean Smith, you could uh, run and jump and play a certain way. Mm -hmm. If you were Bill Musselman, you could beat the living daylights out of somebody and possess the ball and play a little bit smarter. If you were Dick Bennett, you could play defense, possess the ball, play in the 50s, and aggravate people. If you were Rick Pitino, you could throw a a press out there and, and change the game that way. But everybody could choose their style of play. What I've seen in the NBA was you can't choose your style because they've eliminated what you can and can't do in terms of where you place your defenders. That's a that's a great observation. You've also come into the league, Larry, at a time when the game has really evolved, I think, uh, back when Rick Carlisle uh, started coaching in the league, uh, when he finished playing, uh, there was, it was a league of set plays, a ton of set plays, and uh, we had really strict uh, defensive guidelines and offensive guidelines where you could put people... Uh, but now it seems like the game has truly gone to a flow style, I call it, uh, where we almost want to get down the court and attack before the defense gets set. Is, was that your observation this year? Or- yeah, I think that evolution is, has changed the game of what you said in terms yeah. of representation, but probably the biggest change has been the evolution of or the lack of the power forward or the low post power player yeah Uh, there was a great emphasis everybody in the 50s 60s 70s you're going to play basketball and if you're a statistical nut or an analytical is what they call it now everything was going to be quote unquote inside out attack close to the basket and then things will open up 
And the, the change is now almost every big man, starting with the greatest big man who shoots the ball well, Dirk Nowitzki. But now everybody is utilizing that third, fourth, and many times fifth deep three-point shooter. And what it's changed is how you guard people, and it's changed ever so seldom now, not only at the NBA, but the college, the high school, and the AAU level. We've seen a lot of switching now on pick and rolls where that was never, ever done before in the NBA. You know, we would never switch because we were always worried about getting embarrassed, you know, with the center getting embarrassed by a guard, et cetera. And now I'm seeing uh, teams like Golden State and, and them uh, just going to all-out switching and, uh, and, and teams that are much longer also with those, you know, five athletes on the court, so to speak. Well, in the NBA, this is clear. If, if you're a large man, you better have two things in your repertoire or you're not going to get as much money and you're not going to stay in the league as long. One, you better be able to make some shots and you better be able to make some deep shots. And two, if you're only a roller, you better be able to defend and switch and defend these great guards. And that's a tough call to order because there are some phenomenal guards because of the way college is still allowed again to place their defenders where they want i mean i'm not allowing joe kim noah or larry nance jr to leave that dotted line in college you can do whatever you want but i'm not going to do that or if we play zone we can play zone meaning in the old days, when you played something called a zone, I chose to put my players where I want first. You can put yours wherever you want, but that's where my guys are going to be. You can't do that in the NBA. Right. And so what's happened is it's become far more an offensive league, and guys are trying to figure out how do we stop this thing because this new thing of five three-point shooters is really tough to stop really is. Hey, what have you found about, uh, and I know you're so, you're so people-oriented, what have you found, and, and you had a, a very unusual team in Dallas this year because of all the injuries, you know, you had a lot of young guys mixed in with some vets, but what did you find about the the people, the, the people in the NBA, the kids? Um, the, you know, uh, the players, the players as I, really I told you, yeah. to me, they're, they're so similar to the young players we've had in college in one respect. Again, they want to be better. Anything you can do, a trainer can do, a masseuse can do, a assistant coach can do, a head coach can do, anything somebody can do to help me get better individually, I want to get better because I want to make more money and I want to win. And now a lot of these teams are sacrificing or a lot of these players in the NBA are sacrificing individual financial remuneration for a chance to win at the very highest level. And, uh, I mean, our guy, who is the cream of the crop, there is none better, has supposedly close to $200 million left on the table for the, for the satisfaction of trying to be the best he could be and also trying to allow the Mavericks to be the best they can be. That's rare. That's really rare. Uh, you also, you know, when you were – uh, coaching at Florida with Billy, uh, you were part of uh, w one of the really great college programs in the country uh, with, you know, so many great kids. And you, you guys had it rolling for those two years. But I know, you know, your, your tenure there was much longer. But what about the Florida experience for you and how well, that changed your life in many ways? 
Yeah, I, I can I can share this with you, which we have many times. One of the most embarrassing, demeaning feelings that a coach can muster up is being fired, and especially when you're in the ACC, the cream of the crop, and you think everybody is watching and you are a loser. You've literally been told, please leave. You can do anything the rest of your life except coach my team. It's a tough feeling, and by joining Billy a year and a half later, you know, he, he literally, forget resurrecting your career or giving you a second chance. He literally changed our family's dynamics and not only our love of the game, which always stood true, but just our level of comfortability in our own skin. And so I owe a great deal to not so much only Billy, but Jeremy Foley and the Donovan family. And the Shiat family grew from that experience, but it wasn't easy. And until that confetti came down a couple times, <laughs> it was hard. Um, but I think our level of appreciation now skyrocketed, especially with the experience of having been fired and then the experience of cutting the nets down in Vegas and winning the championship at, at Wyoming. Um, I think sometimes when you go through those troubled times, again, I think your level of appreciation skyrockets, as I said, when good times come. I know you still have a lot more to give, uh, and, and a lot, you know, you, 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 you don't have an expiration date on your career, but what's the dream going forward for you? You know, uh, uh, I think you know me well enough to know I, I owe a great deal to my young lady who's been by my side for 42 straight years. There's got to come a time here soon when I literally can just give back to her what she's really given up for the sake of not just my personal career, but our three boys and, and their families. She, You talk about somebody that has lived a servant's mentality. That's what she's lived. So at some point here in the not far distant future, I, I don't ever want to call it retirement because, as you said, I always want to be a giver. But that's the first person I got to start giving back to. Yeah, well, you're certainly an overachiever. I mean, that might have been your best recruit by far, Pam, you know, for crying out loud. Yeah. yeah. Well, some people may think looks, but I can tell you this. There's more There's more behind that because she's a hell of a lot smarter than the old man. Way, way, way. You know, that, that, the key is you always have to marry over your head. That's one of our rules. Yeah, we you both know? did pretty good, oh, my Wait, friend. wait, wait. Far exceeded our talent. Yes, for sure. <laughs> my friend, my, my favorite couple of days of the year are going to be approaching in two days. But, you know, I can't thank you for your friendship, but also for sharing with other young coaches. We have 75, 100,000 coaches around the world that listen, and they're going to be so excited to hear you sharing some of your ideas on coaching, life, and overachieving, which uh, I marvel at, too. But uh, I look forward to seeing you, my friend. Thank you so much. Brendan, thank you, too. See you soon. Larry Shiat, incredible. Uh, as I had mentioned uh, someone that was makes you think, uh, has great opinions. But what I always value about Larry is uh, what he is about character and the love of the game, love of coaching, and love of players, a servant leader in the biggest form. Uh, I want to remind our coaches out there, uh, you've responded in kind, but uh, as you're getting ready for the season, you have to take advantage of every possible way to learn. And so as I've mentioned on many of our podcasts, uh, 
go to coachingyou.tv. Uh, get the videos that you want to help prepare you for the season. This year's videos, 25 videos, $349. You know, it gives you all the speakers that we had this summer. Incredible lineup, great stuff. But I recommend that you go into our archives and you can get all the videos from uh, 2016 from Orlando and Vegas for only a $99 for all of them and all the preceding years that we have a $99. Uh, so go back 15, 14. The speakers are incredible. It's something that I'm proud to say you have to have a, in the old days, I have four or 500 books of coaching and leadership. Now I've got a video library that's awesome. And that's what you want to do to help yourselves. Uh, so I uh, recommend coachingyou.tv. Pick out the things that, you know, that apply to you. $20 if you just want one video. I had one guy call me the other day and said, I want Jamie Dixon's tape. It's fine. Help yourself. I want you to be ready and have a great season. Till next week. <laughs>